1: Everything you need to know to draft in the FFPC Superflex Basketball Tournament over at myffpc.com. That's what we're talking about today as we are about to approach our draft against the road of his overtime community, Sean, which is always a tough draft, always a unique draft, but I'm really looking forward to doing that. But as preparation for people who may be drafting who are thinking about drafting, I think a little bit of strategy conversation is the way to go on this episode For those who don't know what the Superflex Best Ball Tournament is over at the FFPC, it is a $35 entry. It's a $50,000 grand prize to first. There's almost 370,000 in total prizes up for grabs. There's no kicker. There's no defense. There is 20 rounds. Runs through the 14 weeks for the regular season. And then it's single week elimination. Then from 15 through 17, the champion crowned at the end of week 17. So I'm a big fan of this contest both on the you know payout structure the price structure and the entry fee it is a $35 entry fee so maybe you're playing in the uh, Best Ball Mini at $25 it's not a huge jump it's not the $125 tournament which we will also be playing in and talking about over the next couple of weeks Sean but I'm a big fan of this contest and uh, Superflex gives you a lot of ways that you can change up the strategy and try and attack it and that's something that we're going
2: to talk about today. So Superflex Basketball Sean, I know you're a big fan. Yeah, this this might be my favorite. And as you mentioned, there are so many different ways to play it. It's a great format that the FFPC has put together in so many different ways. I edu- joked last year that it was the one that I was writing the most content about and when you do that, I hope it goes well. we were lucky enough to get a team into the finals. There's a free article That I put out at the time about how to use the tools to or how the tools factored into that journey factored into getting there that article was free then it's free now and it has links really to the full super flex best ball workshop now obviously we'll do sean with that article is
1: we'll get that link and we'll put it in the show notes for anyone that wants to check it out I think that's the easiest way to get help people out here
2: Colin always does such a great job with those types of things for us and we're going to have a full new Superflex best ball workshop this year and Colin this is really the kickoff of that for us so we couldn't be more excited
1: yeah couldn't be more excited and you know when you look through some of these tournaments there is the nuances we like to talk about it in both dynasty and best ball the different rules on different sites given possible different edges to how you draft on these so the ffpc for people who may not be familiar is a tight end premium format means you get 1.5 points per reception to the tight end position and then it's ppr the rest of the way for running backs wide receivers and if your quarterback does catch a pass also ppr there as well but uh two quarterbacks are available so you have your starting quarterback the option in the flex as is with super flex format four points per passing touchdown is the main i guess part versus the six point element but sean the big difference in the super flex is we're talking about a lot of the tournaments particularly at the ffpc and those ppr formats the advantage of filling that flex with the wide receiver position is something that we often talk about but in this particular format you don't it's not adding an extra spot versus the regular ffpc format it is the same amount of players for your positional allocations but one of the regular flex spots just has the option to be a super flex so there is ways you can attack that both having the second quarterback option you can also wait on quarterback load up on those wide receivers potentially with tight end premium load up on those tight ends those positions could potentially fill the flex so there's a multitude of ways that you can attack this tournament and again that's what makes it so unique
2: it really does and you mentioned about that super flake you mentioned about that super flex taking the position of one of the regular flexes that immediately influence our general approach, that race to win the flex, where in a 2-2-2 format, you really can then get up to four wide receivers. If the wide receivers have more projected points, and there are a lot of different ways to look at that, you can look at the great projections out there. You can look at the range of outcomes tool. You can use the win the flex tool. And both of those last two, I think, are really helpful for getting a sense of how historically players score and calibrating your expectations. It's really easy to go off the rails if you don't have that baseline in mind. But if we don't have that second flex and fourth spot, and the other part of that is that it can flip, right? If you get into a situation where ADP becomes so wide receiver heavy, FFPC formats allow you to take advantage of that because you can get to the four running backs and if you are starting four running backs, then the value of additional running backs beyond that would also be there because you're choosing from that group to get to your four. But again, that doesn't really take place here, except for there's another little element here, Colin, that we have to be aware of. And that's the that quarterback scoring is mitigated slightly. You have one point for every 25 passing yards instead of one point for every 20, and you have an additional minus for interceptions. So instead of minus one, we have minus two here. One of the things that that does, and obviously the superstar quarterbacks don't throw too many interceptions. They're not losing a lot of points there, but one of the things that that does is it pushes it actually even a little bit more in the direction of the rushing QB, but also it creates a scenario where the very top running backs and wide receivers can compete With the QBs. So, when we look at how you might want to pursue the second half of round one, certainly how you might want to pursue rounds two and three, if you hit on a running back or a wide receiver who goes off and becomes what Cooper Cup was in 2021, what Jonathan Taylor has been, what Austin Eckler has been, what Justin Jefferson was last year, those guys can compete in the super flex spot. Now, it doesn't change the fact that you have to have a qb in the qb spot and you want that qb to score a lot of points and it doesn't change the fact that qb scarcity is going to influence how you really address all of the single digit rounds column i throw that out there merely to make sure people are considering some of the tweaks or some of the very small elements in rounds two and three that could be the difference between winning or losing the tournament because it allows you to remember that creativity it allows you to be a little bit more flexible
1: yeah and it also gives you a multitude of options and as we draft in our draft that will be upcoming in future podcast episodes here we're drafting from the sixth slot kind of right in the middle there so kind of you can take your time as the rounds progress to try and decide the the way that you're going to go but having a, a couple of different options that you're planning going into these drafts you might only be drafting in one of these but if you're drafting in a multitude of them there is a number of ways that you can attack those sean mentioned some of the the different elements there to the the scoring side of things i mentioned it's 20 spots or 20 rounds you're going to have a 20 man roster so it's one quarterback two running back two wide receivers one tight end two flex with one of those flexes being the option for pretty much all the positions there as well uh when i mentioned at the start why i like it i mentioned the payout structure one of the other things sean is when you're drafting in a contest like best ball mini Four, and we love the underdog format as well but you're competing for the monster prize but you're competing against so many teams and when you look through the advance potentials and this is a contest sean that we've done quite well over the last couple of years and been able to advance through two finals and also in the one two five contest and one of the reasons i like it as i mentioned the format is those first 14 weeks to see who gets true it is the top two teams in each league that advance so there's ten thousand eight hundred teams so again feels a little bit more achievable as you go through the stages two teams out of your first league you go into week 14 two teams out of that league will get into it after that is two teams out of that league and then two teams again so it's two teams each time the main difference is week 14 is a 12 team league week 15 is a 12 team league but when you get to week 16 12 team league there will be then 50 teams in the final and then that's how the the final stages are set up so I've always enjoyed that Sean. maybe that's because we've had success in these contests, but um, like the the straightforwardness of the way that we run through. You mentioned though, you know being able to look at those elite wide receivers, for example, something that we do like to target. but in this format, there is the capability of, you know when we're drafting it, for example, six here, if those elite options are gone and at six you're still going to have one or two options i'm pretty confident being available but you're right in that justin jefferson travis kelsey range then at that point the key here is to obviously know the adp heading in but when you're looking at the possible options on the board and something myself and sean have done in this draft and done in previous drafts is this is more so for co-drafting but if you're drafting solo as well it's very important to plot out those 20 rounds or how many rounds you're drafting no matter what the contest is pick out your priority targets in them kind of rank the other options as they move through and the reason that that's so important is when you're as i like to say drafting from back to front and then from front to back you can kind of see the potential lineups that you are going to have as the, the draft progresses through. so you, you can start yourself off in this and try and gain that edge by really pivoting to different options how important with what you mentioned with the scoring settings do you think the elite quarterback position is in this one let's say in that we're really for us probably talking about the first six potentially seven quarterbacks then you get into the next tier in the second round the likes of Daniel Jones Kurt Cousins is in that range two is kind of in the third round range but there is so many and we've talked about this recently so many talented players in that second and third and fourth round when you're looking at superflex, who are normally your first and second round picks at the non-quarterback positions how important is quarterback do you think in this format and then How important is the elite quarterback versus the next tier?
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
3: That's Unified UNIFYD Healing.com/slash Bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
2: I really like the Elite QB. In this particular format, because the quarterbacks are all pushed so tightly together that the advantage you get in regular best ball leagues and tournaments, where if you wait at QB, then you get a much better running back or a much better wide receiver. If you wait for both of your QBs, you get two extra players from this range that. I mean, just the point scoring potential is so, so much higher. The problem that we run into here in Superflex is that's not really the case, right? You have that second tier of QBs going in rounds two and three. Then you have sort of the end of the window QBs going in. Well, really going at the end of round three, but then you have those borderline and sleeperish QBs going in rounds four and five. And we're talking about rounds four and five already being the sleeper QBs, and to pass a position player and get those guys, you're passing on guys like Devontae Smith and Chris Olave, Ramondre Stevenson. You go down to some of the players that we would probably target in Brock Purdy, who is currently QB 26, Mac Jones, QB 27, Ritter 28, Howell 29. Those guys going in rounds seven and eight, And to select them, you still have to pass on players like Tyler Lockett and David Njoku. And again, as you mentioned, the tight end, very valuable in this format. Alexander Madison, Javante Williams, Marquise Brown, Traylon Burks, JSN, Mike Evans, George Pickens, Kadarius Toney, James Cook. Right. So even if you're saying, I'm going to go with late QB, I'm going to take a couple of those guys. I'm going to try and get a Purdy. I'm going to try and get a Ritter. You're passing on good players. And so the advantages that you get by waiting at QB are really pretty minimal. And that pushes us back to if we can be in the spot where you get one of the stars, that's really, really helpful. So Colin, I think that we've gotten basically the best pick that you can get. The 106 gives us at the very worst, the last of the elite QBs. And then we're, as you mentioned, we're right there in the middle to vacuum value all the way through. So. And we'll have to make sure that uh, check in with the FFPC, make sure Column didn't you know slip any additional money under the table <laughs> for our draft slot there. But I mean this is a perfect setup for us, Colum. And then it becomes a question of how do you get your QB2, how do you get your QB three? And one of the things that I think is pretty interesting is that this format, unlike so many other formats with best ball, is going to be just so heavily reliant on. A handful of players. Now, that's going to always be the case, and that the league winners are going to determine the shape of positional scoring. They're going to determine who wins leagues. They're going to determine who wins tournaments. But one of the interesting things here is if you look at the FFPC Superflex roster construction tool, one of the things that you see is that what would have worked in 2020 versus 2021 versus 2022 at the QB position is entirely different. And even just to go back to those last two years, In 2021, if you went QB, QB, and stopped, you had extremely high win rates, really high average score, really high percentage of scores at the very top. So you're going to have a lot more of those top two percentile scores in there than if you'd approached it in a different way. In 2022, that same approach was catastrophic. Now, one of the reasons for that was the presence of
1: (laughs) the quarterback position disappeared as the season progressed.
2: It did. It did. And because of that, if you have exposure to just those two QBs, all of those injuries put you in very bad shape. But having a Geno Smith come in with such a high score late dramatically impacted what you wanted to do, both in terms of individual players to select, but also whether three QB was better than two QB, whether you know four QB became viable. And Column you and I picked four quarterbacks in that league last year. And one of the things that I like about this format, again, that kind of fits with the intro, is that every year is going to be different. And last year, we really liked Marcus Mariota as a late QB, but then we also thought that Baker Mayfield was viable as a deep, deep QB, and then Geno Smith viable as a last-round pick. When you look at the potential quarterbacks available in 2023, I don't see that.
1: Yeah, I agree as well. And just to give some people some... And saying that. Will Levis is quarterback 34. That's in the 15th round. Then Jacoby Brissett is in the 16th. We get in then to Mike White. The last two rounds since Colt McCoy, Gardner, Minshew, Darnold, Tyler Huntley, Brian Hoyer, and then Kyle Trask. You're kind of looking at those names and you're thinking maybe we see Brissett get the job over Howell at some point. Maybe we see Trask get the job over Mayfield. There's not a huge amount of you know, extreme upside scenarios there this season it doesn't feel that way anyway and when you look at those names that i've mentioned there is a gap from the 15th round all the way to the 11th so round 12 round 13 round 14 no quarterbacks been drafted in those rounds at the current moment in time with the adp so a lot of challenges going in that direction and again that is you know knowing the landscape this year knowing what has worked in the past but also the reasons as to why it may have worked or why it may not for example in last year sean you mentioned we have the perfect scenario as team six where The ADP at the moment is Mahomes, and Hurts, then Allen, then Burrow, then Jackson, then Fields. Then it goes into Justin Jefferson and then Herbert. So you're in a range there where it does feel to me where there's a gap from the Fields pick down to the Herbert pick. There's only two slots between that. But I think if you don't get Fields or Jackson at that point at the sixth pick, you're moving into the non-quarterbacks and Justin Jefferson. But I think it's clear if you have a top four pick, that you're going quarterback and those top four some people and we may even (laughs) at times later this offseason Sean go a different direction but I feel like those four are the picks to make that point when you get beyond pick six though and particularly if you get into that range where you're in 10 through 12 I really think that chase there'll be people that will chase quarterback at those positions so Trevor Lawrence is going as the 10th pick but then Deshaun Watson is going as the first pick of the second round then you're into Dak Prescott Daniel Jones in the middle of that second round and there's just so many players again like you mentioned what the quarterback's going in those mid rounds to pass up you know Jefferson, Kelsey, Chase, Christian McCaffrey, Tyreek Hill, Austin Echler, Cooper Cup, B. John Robinson, jo- Jonathan Taylor's going you know towards the end of that second round there's just too many high-powered non-quarterback position players do you think that once you're beyond let's say slot nine that it has to be a a non-QB start to try and overtake i guess the advantage that those teams draft and then those top four or five selections have with the elite quarterback
2: i think you can definitely go that route it's very viable we talked about how the other players at running back and wide receiver can score the requisite number of points to make you competitive you could have a christian mccaffrey austin eckler start you could have a jamar chase cooper cup start obviously you can split it one and one Deshaun watson if you put all of the off the field stuff to the side becomes an interesting pick in that one, two turn range. I would include like the the back five teams and first five teams in round two, kind of thinking about where he would fit in because there probably is another relatively substantial tier break after him. When you're thinking about tournament upside, one of the things that someone's got to consider really carefully is if you pick Justin Jefferson, can you pass on Kirk cousins in round two? Cousins' ADP is in a range where people are sometimes passing on him with that pick. That part I think is perhaps a little bit surprising. I would think that the Jefferson drafter would be as deep as he could logically fall in that second round. But your question when you're looking at the back half there is where do we actually come back and get QBs then? Because the the best values are probably still again going to people who have picks in the front half. Tua is a great value, but he's going at the two three turn, you know, not making it back to that area in round three, where people who have a back half pick are going to be selecting. So then you're looking at doing something maybe in rounds four and five, where you take a Kenny Pickett, you know, hopefully with some of those other Steelers players. And then you're looking i think to select guys like jones ritter Howell a little bit early at the seven eight turn instead of letting them fall through but as you mentioned you can't just chase the points i think that you won't be particularly happy there the flip side of it though is if you and your personal rankings are very high on guys like Dak prescott and daniel jones then simply taking a herbert and a lawrence and coming back with those players then you do have the qbqb QB start that has been extremely effective in some years and you start to put pressure on the drafters who only got the one elite qb so the flip side of it is that if you have high grades you can start to put pressure on the rest of the field and the final
1: thing sean as we get ready to wrap up the preview edition the kind of strategy session before we get into our draft is what is maybe our preferred option here as we draft from the the 106 and what we can then compare to when we you know, have the draft board and it's, it's all said and done what we're looking to do something that we have done in recent years in this particular format is you know kind of one 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 so quarterback uh wide receiver and usually a running back through those first three rounds is that something that we're looking to target this year you mentioned though you know if you can potentially get that second quarterback as well early the advantage that that has had in previous years outside of last year which is your preferred option doing you know as we as we get ready to draft here and I think Sean knows what mine is and that's to have one quarterback through the three rounds and, and to avoid the two quarterback option
2: but what are we going to do? Well I mentioned that what you do specifically at quarterback has been inconsistent and the results have been all over the place so you can see that in the RCE but the result that has been very effective across those years is exactly what you described right there which is the triple anchor. So if you end up with the foundation qb and then you have an anchor running back and an acre wide receiver through the first four rounds so somehow you have a stud at all three positions and again part of that goes back to this element where with the super flex we have an additional position that matters here we don't want to get through the early going without the qb wide receivers even though you lose that flex spot still the position that allows you to dominate tournaments but if you can have The stud running back in there as well you get some of those benefits from the anchor qb the anchor running back which in most seasons have been there right now we're getting adp shifts that have made some of those things a little bit less the case but yet you look at adp and this is one of the cool things i think column you look at adp in the tool right now and running back and wide receiver is fairly well balanced which means that drafters understand that flex position a little better than they have in the past I don't think it's going to be balanced in the ot listener league draft that we're about to do and we'll as we are on the clock we'll discuss you know different ways to navigate that portion of it but triple anchor almost certainly is the way to win the Superflex tournament
1: yeah sean you mentioned the the adp here it may be a little bit different the rules truly kind of go out the window in these uh Roto-Biz overtime drafts so we're looking forward to having that that will be coming out. In future episodes here over the course of the next week or so so be sure to subscribe to the road of his overtime podcast feed to get those as soon as they are available my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland my co-host is sean siegel check out all sean's work up on road and until we are back have a good one